0: Welcome to A Slice of Orange. I'm Jody Balma, Professor of Political Science at Fullerton College, and we're talking about Hoya Scholars with um, our guest today, Christian Esteban, who is the Executive Director at Hoya Scholars in Placentia, and welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Jody. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, I'm smiling. I've got this huge smile on my face (laughs) because I assume people are watching this, but I, I just look like a dope smiling. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's okay. We just use the audio, but it's fun to see people while we're recording. So I appreciate it. And we can hear the smiles in our voices. Good. <laughs> so um, so let's get us started with an introduction to what Hoya Scholars is.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, we've been nestled in the heart of Fullerton for the last 12 years now. Hoya Scholars serves junior high and high school students and now college students, particularly from low income and particularly from predominantly low-income uh, Latinx and immigrant communities here in two neighborhoods in the city of Fullerton. Um, it's incredible. Our, our honestly, our, our students, they live a stone's throw away from these incredible institutions of higher education, Fullerton College, Cal State, Fullerton, UC Irvine, Zot, Zot, Zot. I was, I was an sure. myself. And there they grow go. up a stone's throw away from these institutions and, and yet they grow up not necessarily believing that those institutions are placed there for them. And so what we try to do is we try to step into that uh, scenario, work with our students uh, to bring in the right people at the right time to have the right conversations with them, uh, to be able to instill the idea in them that we can rewrite the narrative of their neighborhoods and their communities and their own lives. Uh, And those institutions are built there for them and they certainly have a future there uh, and beyond. So it's a wonderful organization and an opportunity to support our students academically, Every single one of our students is a, is a future first-generation college student. And so it's incredibly exciting to be able to have those conversations day in and day out.
0: I love that. I love future first-generation. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. is so amazing to think of that even before they're getting to college, we are identifying them. I mean, that's powerful narrative well, for a student to hear. Well
1: where where that comes from is, you know, the as future first generation college students where that comes from is we've had, you know, many of our conversations with high schoolers who have graduated, who have gone on to college and many who are, you know, nearing graduation from college. Um, and a few in particular where we'll we'll get together and we'll put together testimonial videos that we'll share with every single one of our incoming students, as seventh graders all the way through to 12th graders, and they'll be watching these testimonial videos. And some of them will recognize, recognize these college students because they'll say, Oh, I know that person, you know. I, um, you. I know Christian Flores, I know Nancy Torres. Right. And, you know, they they live right down the street. I want to do what they do. Yeah. And I'll go talk to Christian or Nancy about what impact their stories have had on the next generation. And they'll be completely astonished that a, a child from the Garnett neighborhood whose parents work at flame broiler right. um, is having this huge impact on the next generation of kids.
0: Right. Now you said, I said placentia, and I don't know why I associated that, but, but y- are you Justin Fullerton?
1: You are totally right to, uh, okay. to think that way. We are, well, we are in Fullerton. We serve three school districts, okay. the, the Fullerton School District, the, the Joint Union High School District, and also the Placentia Your Linda Unified okay. High School District. Because
0: I think the alumni that I um, have talked to most from Hawaii Scholars have been from Valencia High, and so I put you in that town, and yeah, okay. You so are bigger right than, Bigger than one town, I think is important to know.
1: The vast majority of our students graduate from Eldorado and Valencia High Schools. We've mm-hmm. been in that Garnet neighborhood where mm-hmm. the students live on the very corner you know, east of sure. the 57 on the corner of Fullerton bordering Placentia. yeah and yet they, they walk to and go to school in you know the Placentia city sure. limits in the, in the Placentia district. I lived
0: very close to there um, in college and it was very confusing to me that the <laughs> town could um, be divided by uh, you know Placentia Avenue. And you could tell which town you were in by whether or not there were drive-throughs back then, because yep. Placentia didn't allow b- drive-throughs. So you knew if you were at the in and out you were in Placentia, and if you were at, I think, Pepe's across the street, you were... Yep. Um, in Fullerton. And I was I, like, I
1: didn't realize that until a couple of years ago. I'm, in the Central I'm a, Valley,
0: uh, we divide our towns with lots of cows <laughs> and lots of land between towns. So you know where you are. And I was like, okay, so now I have to pay attention to drive throughs
1: I'm originally from Northern California. So I'm familiar with the you know 200,000, not sparsely populated, but uh, you know cow country cow yes. and crop towns yeah and uh, i I only recently found that out uh, that the uh, placentaan and Fullerton, they they had different policies regarding drive-throughs and things like that I was wondering why was yeah. that in and out they
0: broke right? uh, they broke their own rule for McDonald's to go in across the street which they I they did sure just didn't <laughs> in and out that is the they only they did and in and, and, an eventually out restaurant without a drive-through
1: oh, um, that's and hilarious. I always
0: think like why didn't they go across the street
1: you know you know one of those the, that's that's a really good point. One of those really fascinating things about being on the borders of the two town, these two towns is so often our our students and our families feel like they are uh, quite literally on the edge of being yeah. noticed, yeah. and that they are in themselves living in a pocket that is invisible. Right. Um, so one example for exa- for example that comes to mind is uh, very recently the the city of Fullerton, and we are so incredibly grateful for the leadership uh, to the city who made this possible. But um, back in February, we had a ribbon cutting for a brand new neighborhood park, Pearl Park, which is directly behind our Garnet community center and Topaz elementary school. The first local public park that our Garnet neighborhood students were able able to gain access to. And for years, decades, really, the city has been trying to work with the previous owners to be able to put in a public park. And There is a lot of red tape and and there was a very long process Uh, and sometimes for better or worse, students and community members think that the reason why things are taking so long is because it is they themselves who are taking up residence in those necks of the woods. One example is in, I think, February 2018, one of our high school uh, students, actually now at IBC, uh, her name is Maggie. She was going to El Dorado at the time and she put together a community service project to clean Pearl Park. I think it was for Earth Day. And back in the day, Pearl Park was an abandoned dirt lot. There were, you know, cars parked there and, uh, you know, needles and trash everywhere. And we were cleaning the park for this day with some student volunteers and with some of our volunteer mentors and tutors. And as we were cleaning that day, um, some of our neighborhood residents came up to us and asked us, are you with the city? Are we going to get a park? And time and again, we had to say to them, oh, I'm so sorry. We're just here helping out for today. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, we hope so one day. Um, And I was talking to Maggie and, you know, I was being a little bit vulnerable with her and saying, you know, Maggie, I don't want you to be disheartened knowing that a few hours after our cleanup day, the trash is going to continue to roll in. And Maggie said, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. We need to be here. We need to be present and uh, that was one small snapshot of a way that our neighbors were advocating for something like a public park. And now two to three years later, boom, here it is. And it's a wonderful right. thing to see a student's um, tiny vision for something come to fruition.
0: Right. And, you know, the, the story of Maggie in the park remind me of that, um, that, that story of a little boy who's on the beach and there are starfish all over and he's throwing them back one by mm-hmm. one. And somebody says you know, you you can't solve this, that they're going to die. And he says, it matters to this one. Mm. It matters to the one I can save. And it matters when someone can see the potential in the future, that that park can be clean and it can become a place for the people in the neighborhood to enjoy and to be valued.
1: Mm.
0: To it see does. That the city cares. Okay. Um, I think it's really, really powerful. And I love that the students are getting involved in community issues. Like that,
1: you know what I, I I love so much to echo off that is, you know, our students are so they don't they don't realize just how much of an impact they're having on their local neighborhood and their community until they uh, maybe they you know graduate from high school or they have a, a student that they're mentoring of their own um, or they're more involved in, in community service and they realize they have uh, much more ownership of a lot of the the service activity that takes place in our local community compared to other students who maybe don't share their similar backgrounds. But it is incredible to see how, um, well, there's an idea that we really lean on here of mutual kinship, which we did borrow from Father Greg Boyle, who is the founder and director of Homeboy Industries, of course. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Father Boyle, though he doesn't need my shout out. (laughs) (laughs) And he, uh, of course, he runs the the world's largest gang rehabilitation program in the world. And uh, he shared with us two years ago at our annual fundraiser the idea of mutual kinship, where we have mentors and tutors coming in to serve our students. And really, at the end of the day, the same thing is happening in the, in the other direction. We have students who are serving mentors and tutors by right. providing them with a uh, an education on cons- uh, cultural consideration compared to, say, cultural competency, because you can never right. really be competent <laughs> when, right. you're, when you're uh, learning about other cultures. Absolutely. But, um,
0: Absolutely.
1: but really, an education on cultural consideration and mutual kinship, which we I,
0: have, love, that. Which I love, we love that. I loved that LeVar Burton gave us, you know, <laughs> the consequence culture instead of cancel culture. And I love, mm-hmm. um, yeah, consideration.
1: Mm-hmm. And so it's beautiful just to be able to see our students day in and day out. And uh, they definitely don't see it when they're in the trees, but when they're looking at the forest, they see all this, uh, all these things that they've accomplished. So just to give uh, everyone a yes. quick idea of some of the tangibles that we do in our community. Uh, we serve, uh, this past school year, we've served over 150 individuals. Um,
0: and that's seventh through 12th grade?
1: That's seventh through 12th grade. So it's nearly 100 students in junior high and high school. It also includes, as of this June, we're celebrating 46 alumni or in current college students in the program. And this past year, we've also served directly over 30. 30 of our parents um, and where that service comes in is our junior high and high school students engage in one-on-one academic mentoring. We uh, we bring in volunteer mentors from local colleges, uh, local community organizations. All
0: those students who ask me where they can volunteer, here in, it is. In,
1: here it is. and And honestly, to be able to bring in current college students or recent college graduates has been incredible because our students look across the table. And they see what is actually possible, um, just a few years ahead of them. I'll share really quickly. Um, every year we have a panel of professionals. It's sort of like a career day where we have five or six individuals from different career backgrounds come in and share with our students about different professionals or professions. And a couple of years ago, we had again our panel of professionals. Many professionals in STEM, you know, in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, very established in their careers. And I also asked my sister, who's two years younger than me, uh, and she, um, she, she, she's 26. She works over in Redlands at the, um, the Loma Linda university children's hospital. And she works in children's oncology. She is my favorite person in the world. Uh, she has the biggest heart of anybody that I know. And, uh, she's experienced so much in working with these children in the last few years. And I asked her to be part of this panel of professionals for the students at Hoya. And, uh, and she was part of the panel was great. And in, in the middle of the panel, we took a break and she was saying, you know, is this going okay? Like I'm sharing my experiences being a nurse and, and, you know, and, but these, these other people, they have so much more experience than me. And, you know, and I, and I looked at her and I said, you know what? Um, you have no idea how, how meaningful it is for students to look across the room, see a twenty-something-year-old in a field right. that they can be really passionate about. Right, they relate to you so much more potentially than our real estate agent who is so established, or our, right. man, our chemist, you know, who is right. so established. So we we love that idea of academic mentorship right. and connecting yeah. our students with people in the field who um, who can take them into those professions.
0: Absolutely, and and you know, I I'm always reminded that. Um, you don't always want to see the entire path ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's too scary. It seems unattainable. And so seeing somebody three steps ahead of you is manageable. And you go, I, that's only three things.
1: Yes. I, I love that so much. That Some of the things that we try to do, we have a few program pillars that we try to abide by at Hoya Scholars. And a few of them include guidance and accountability, shared experiences, and relationship building. All of our students have mm-hmm. a, um, a community of individuals surrounding them. Starting from seventh grade, they work with their own academic mentor and tutor. As, a, as, as an 11th grader, um, you can be entered into SAT, ACT prep. Though, of course, that is changing now with what is currently happening with those exams. Right. As a 12th grader, they enter a college apps academy and they have their own instructor there. And all through those years, they have our Hoya coordinators, they have um, their parents have our parent academy instructor. So over the course of six or seven years, you have five or six people who are really surrounding you nice. and, uh, and helping you create your own pathway. So we love those, those pillars. Oftentimes with guidance and accountability, that pillar includes um, working with our students so that they can create their own foresight for the future. I don't know if you remember being at that age it is so difficult to have oh. foresight <laughs> and yeah. you know think about what you want for your own future.
0: I tell um, my friends with teenagers to to remember that the reason we don't let them do some things is cuz just mentally they can't see around corners. <laughs> they really are that you know they have blinders on that they cannot see the consequences of the next action and yes. And it's just developmental stage. They are brilliant in a million ways, but um, foresight is not something uh, that that they always can have command over.
1: And that's why we love going on college visits and cultural yeah. outings with the students. That way, we we you know can turn out of the neighborhood or out of the city right. county. You know, it's funny. Speaking of accountability, speaking of foresight, I I was reminded of. You know, 15 months ago, when COVID hit, and I'll never forget March 11th, I was sitting at Eldorado High School with Maggie, and we were working on video production uh, in their studio. There, we were working on the final touches of our um, of our fundraiser that was going to be, you know, last March. And COVID hit. Of course, we pulled our fundraiser, and you know, I I just catch myself thinking, you know, what are we going to do? Just across the board, what are we going to do? And I was looking through some documents and I was having some conversations with our staff about what next steps to take. Really disheartened by the switches that we had to make, really concerned about how our communities are going to be affected by COVID. And um, and then it occurred to me about a month prior we had been talking to many of our graduating seniors at the time and we asked each of our seniors to share a favorite quote. And a couple of them I'll, I'll never forget. So a couple of them last year that were shared Uh, One of them was, it's going to be hard, but hard does not mean impossible. Another another student said, the sun will rise and we will try again. And a third student had shared, how we deal with tragedies defines who we are. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness. Like, (laughs) I I just got a lesson in foresight. And those quotes were some of the things that carried me through the transitions. And over the next few months, we, you know, we pulled our fundraiser We pushed it back by three months and we dedicated those three months to creating a COVID response plan. And we provided community relief um, and provided groceries and supplies in the value of over $80,000 to over 500 Garnet and Maple neighborhood families.
0: That is remarkable.
1: Without any, you know, prior mobilization disaster relief experience. And granted by the end of that three months, we were much Better established at being able to resource our families to more long term and sustainable uh, relief services, but it was wonderful to be able to make that pivot in that um, in that situation. You just brought me back to to where I didn't want to (laughs) go.
0: I I know, I know, (laughs) but but you know, I think um, you know, and and I think the 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 episode we did with Zoot Velasco, the 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 opportunities that emerge in a crisis the not that any of us think that this was a good thing not that any of us and 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 I'm all I've been reminded so much in the last 15 months of the beautiful quote from Stephen Colbert when he's talking to Anderson Cooper about mm-hmm. grief and death oh, and brilliant. he says the thing I wish had never happened gave me the greatest gift of my life and he's talking about empathy and he's talking about these things but Clearly, no one wishes their dad and brothers had died, Mm -hmm. but that life experience, that trajectory allowed him to have experiences and growth internally that he wouldn't have had otherwise. And of course, anyone given that choice would be like, yeah, I'm good on the learning. Uh, Give me my dad back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think these students were talking about learning loss. We're hearing about all of that. But I think there are silver linings of things that are gifts that we can take forward of, good Lord, we were just talking about grit all those years ago. And, you know, I think to myself, my students don't need grit. Life gives them enough grit. Mm -hmm. Um, They're full up on grit. But the resilience that I have witnessed and you kind of have talked about with these students is going to prepare them for the world in front of them 50 steps from now. Um, And I hope that they understand because, you know, I think a lot of my students don't understand how incredible they are. Mm -hmm. Um, They are surrounded by other students who are just as incredible. And I'm like, no, you're all incredible. (laughs) um, And you should brag more. Um, and I think that you probably have that same experience of they think the extraordinary is common. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. It's it's incredible the resilience that we've seen going back the last 15, 16 months. And certainly well beyond that, you know, what, we, what we've been seeing every single day with, um, you know, many of our students. I, I remember last year with our, our graduating seniors where instead of doing something for their graduations, we we did a a, a graduation parade. And we (laughs) we spent an afternoon just rolling up and down the streets over at Garnett and the Maple neighborhoods and uh, had this caravan of, you know, eight or nine cars from our our staff and volunteers and a lot of the kids' mentors and tutors and just rolling up on their houses and and celebrating their accomplishments and many of them dressed in their grad gowns. And what a statement that is to stand on the street corner of your very neighborhood celebrating something so special. but bringing it directly into the neighborhood, you know, right. um, so that is a direct inspiration. And, and, you know, we love our students for doing that. Um, yeah. I mean, many, this past year that you talk about silver linings, you know, we've served more students this past year than we have in any single past year, uh, which we were not expecting, you know, mentors right. and tutors have been able to transition completely to, to distance learning, which I don't know if you can shed light on this. Um, I've spoken to a whole lot of our tutors and I still don't understand how tutors are able to tutor virtually. It completely blows my mind. It,
0: yeah, it is a, a, a challenge <laughs> um, there. The, you know, I, I've been, so I've been teaching online for 15 years mm-hmm. um, going on 16. And I think that it has incredible functionality I think um, when everyone involved wants to be online, it works well. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is reluctant online learners combined with reluctant online teachers combined with the technology challenges and a pandemic and, 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 and has made it you know work for some and not for others and i hope that what we will be able to take is the good um of what we've learned about online uh you know i love having events where it is recorded um which i shared with you before we got started <laughs> yeah. um you know to capture those forever instead of when you would bring a guest speaker onto campus and only have forty people experience the most incredible speech, or a Holocaust survivor, or Sylvia Mendez, or mm-hmm. Ruby Bridges, or Terrence Roberts of the Little Rock Nine. Uh, you know, Leon Lason uh, was a, a, a you know the youngest uh, on Schindler's List, the boy on the wooden box, um, mm-hmm. who was married to Liz Lason, our incredible colleague, English professor, dean, extraordinaire, and she would bring him to campus. And every time I saw him, I thought, why isn't this on PBS? And to not have those captured, you know, I hope that we won't make that mistake going forward. I hope that we will record. I hope that we will capture historically. Um, There are some good things that have emerged. Um, You know, I remind my students that we wouldn't have Velcro except for the Mm. billions that we spent on the space program.
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's true. It's true, and
0: go into the moon, and all of the incredible things. But um, yeah, I I think that I learned how to zoom better because my teenage kids taught me. Mm. We- um, and so sometimes it it takes younger people who are far more adept at technology uh, to help the rest of us get there.
1: I I would completely agree with that. And it's, it's that reluctance, just like you said, where it's the only option has made it difficult. I was just talking to one of our juniors who, uh, and I was, I was talking to her the other day and, uh, we realized that half of her time in high school was now done remotely, which is incredible to think about. And we were talking about what does that daily grind actually look and feel like? And she shared with me, you know, she has been going through a lot of things just in the home. Because with in the case as is the case with many of our students, many of our students, especially if they're home more often, they're taking care of younger siblings while parents are, are doing everything right. they can to support the family. And she says, you know, honestly, uh, with everything that's been happening, with six, seven hours a day on Zoom, it, it takes courage to actually get up to just get up, right. and just to turn on your mic and just to turn right. on your camera. I was right. talking right. to another student who is also a junior. And uh, I remember the last time I saw him in person was two years ago. And and I first met him as a ninth grader, incredibly beautifully optimistic um, uh, kid. And he's, he's amazing and he, and he still is. And I was talking to him the other day and, and he said, I've just been, it feels like I've been hit by a bus. He said, Christian, I, I haven't been doing well. You know, my grades are fine, but I haven't been doing well if I'm being honest with myself and he's got An older sibling about to graduate, a younger sibling in ninth grade, and a mom who's trying to balance having three boys in high school while trying to hold down a job right now. And Um, and
0: for much of this at home, without social outlets, Mm -hmm. without sports or theater or band or any of those things that made school magical. Mm -hmm.
1: And that mom is dealing
0: with with all of that.
1: I, I totally, you know, and we we see it all the time. Another, something else with silver linings that you reminded me of that has been so powerful for us this year has been in, typically we have an annual fundraiser where it's in-person, it's a banquet style. And in 2019, it was our last in-person one. I remember it was about a two and a half hour affair. And of course, it was all about Hoya Scholars, you know, our staff and team came up and, you know, we yeah. You know, we, we did our dance and uh, we tried to highlight our students as much as possible. And at the end of that, towards the end of that ceremony, we invited four of our alumni to come and share a quick word, probably for about five minutes. And that was five minutes in a two and a half hour program where we had actual students sharing directly to our community. And what um, the pandemic really taught me was how do we actually bring our students' stories directly to our community, as opposed to it being a 3% portion of an annual fundraiser. And so in 2020, uh, last June, we had our our annual fundraiser. It was a 30-minute program, and it must have been 80% of that 30 minutes was just students and alumni sharing about the programs directly. And it was so much fun to be able to bring their stories forward. As they wow. they, they are the ambassadors of this yes. program. Yeah. Last last November we um we had a fall. Well, we had an event called a, a story slam. It was our first ever story slam. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Moth. <laughs> it I is am a, not? It is a podcast <laughs> where. Um, where essentially once a week they get storytellers together sharing about a specific topic. Okay. And we affectionately uh, called our experience the Monarch Story Slam because oh, the Monarch Butterfly is so representative of our communities, right. of course, not to, you know, hit the, the nail on the head so directly there, <laughs> but it was so much fun just to have four storytellers from our community just share something so personal to them. Right. The theme of the night was college access equity and pivotal moments of equity in action. And I myself shared, we had our program director, our board chair, and we also had one of our students who's now a second year at UCLA. Her name is Denise. And she shared a little bit about the own experiences that she faced going back to even a first grader uh, at her elementary school and some of the things she encountered um, by by um, adults who had different backgrounds other than her own and how she felt personally persecuted by that. And it was incredibly powerful. Right. So I'm I'm very excited because we're trying to do the same thing in our upcoming May 21st virtual gala is spend most of that time just sharing our students' stories and our, our alumni' stories.
0: Yeah. And they're so powerful. They are so powerful. So... For somebody listening to this, how do they get their kid involved in Hoya Scholars?
1: That is a great question. And I hope our college students are listening. Well, I, well, one thing I'll say is, uh, you know, despite the pandemic and we're coming out of it now, there are always opportunities to volunteer as a mentor or volunteer as a tutor. Uh, I myself served as an academic mentor before being hired on by Hoya Scholars for two years, I worked with a middle school and a high school student uh, every two weeks throughout the entire academic year. I can't tell you how incredibly important, valuable, insightful, beautiful it is to sit down with a student um, you know, a couple of times a month to be really intentional and in having conversations about um, college readiness, but also getting into the personal, getting into the long-term goal setting, you know, dreaming together. It's a beautiful thing. Um, we, we ask our mentors to donate only, um, one hour every two weeks. And it is incredible journey for you to be able to walk with your very own student all the way through high school graduation. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time talking to our tutors and it is incredible to be able to, um, you know, see what our tutors are able to impart on our students and help prepare them for higher level math and science uh, subjects. Sure. One of my favorite, So you can always become a tutor. One of my favorite memories in Hoya scholars. So if you're
0: bad at math, you can become a mentor, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The folks
0: good at math can also be mentors, but yeah, yeah. those are two separate roles. I love it.
1: And you know what? I was a psychology and anthropology major at UCI and I even found myself tutoring in seventh and eighth grade math it, and i promise you that if you you'd take a quick look and revisit that fun middle school math you too <laughs> can <laughs> tutor in it you can yeah. you honestly yeah. can one of my favorite memories well, at Hoya. as a
0: pa- pandemic uh, a, a guide homeschool independent <laughs> study uh, um, I called in, I called in reinforcements
1: <laughs> and sometimes you have to, and thank God we have plenty yeah. of reinforcements. Now yeah. uh, we have about 50 volunteers right now serving our, our nearly hundred junior high and high schoolers. One of my favorite memories in Hawaii with tutoring is, uh, I would come to tutoring at, you know, six or 7 PM after a long day of, of running around and, and, you know, making the programs happen. And I'll, I'll come to Topaz Elementary School where we have tutoring on site and I'll just, I'll just stop and I'll just listen to the conversations that are happening. Um, There's this this one student I'm going to pick on her. Her name is Allison. She's a (laughs) high school junior. And I remember back when she was a seventh grader and she would work with her math tutor. And I'd be sitting there working on things. And I would overhear uh, the moments when Allison would have what I call an aha moment in a like a certain concept. And every like seven minutes, I would just hear uh, this little girl's voice just say, Oh. <laughs> like I get it. <laughs> right. And um, the moment
0: we all want.
1: <laughs> it may not seem like a lot, but uh, everybody listening, you have the power to create those tiny, tiny aha moments yeah. day in and day out. Our tutors dedicate just one hour per week with their own student and is incredible. And it's incredible because now Allison is a junior. She's getting ready to graduate next year. This summer, she's gonna be participating in uh, this incredible leadership program called the Ronald Reagan Student Leadership Program hosted online this year, but it's a week-long student leadership program. By the end of that week, she'll have created and designed her own community service project to be able to serve the Garnett neighborhood in her school community. So it's amazing that that tutor four years ago had that impact that is now right. you know, and helped oh, Allison become who she is today.
0: I, I mean, that's, that's the high that we all get as teachers, right? I love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That aha moment will get you through a lot of professional development meetings.
1: <laughs> and and the other way that we would love everybody to get involved is uh, on May 21st. Uh, we'll have I'm not sure if this is going to be out by then, but
0: it won't. 20... It'll be in the past.
1: No problem. But we we 2022
0: will... is another May.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so if you go on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Hoya Scholars, you'll find our 2021 virtual gala. It's only 30 minutes, but yeah. in that 30 minutes uh, we want to share with you everything that it, you know, everything of who we are uh, and who we hope to be. Uh, we'll have our high schoolers sharing, our college students sharing, our volunteers and our leadership team. And we are so excited to be able to share that with our community throughout 2021.
0: That's amazing. That's a perfect place to end it. I could talk to you all day, but uh, I that too. is a perfect place to end <laughs> our talk about Hawaii scholars. Let's learn a little bit, little bit more about you. Um, so Christian Esteban, what's the best advice you ever gotten?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, okay, I'll 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 highlight just a couple of things real quick. And I and I have to highlight these two things. Um Well, uh, first of all, I'll say from a very young age, growing up in Modesto, California, Northern California. Uh, Shout
0: out, (laughs) right by Modesto.
1: (laughs) Yep. Uh, I grew up a stone's throw away from Modesto Junior College. And for the first 15 years of my life, I never knew what a junior college was. You know, I would drive by it. Uh, when I was 16. And, uh, and I would say, what is this? Is, is it a mega high school? You know, what is it? I would right. go to the grocery store and I would see people walking around with sweatshirts with three yep. or four letters, you know, MKC. UCSB, UCSD. I think, yeah. what are these places? Like, what is this? Like, I'm in high school. I'm, I'm in the IB program in a Modesto high school. Okay. Nobody in my college has graduated. Nobody in my family has graduated from a four-year university. Right. What is there for me beyond high school? And I just remember my parents sharing with me, do the best you can and we'll be proud of you no matter what. And I know that seems small, but it is that ideal is something I carry with me because um, it gets hard for our students, especially our high school boys in 10th and 11th grade. They don't see the point oftentimes of turning on that Zoom call or going to school. And um, it's important for them to know that there are advocates surrounding them and that we know that they're going to do great things. Through that mindset, I was able to create my own expectations for myself. And uh, and it was because of that support system. Another quick nugget I'll share is as a high school junior, I had, a high, I had a history teacher. His name is Mr. Peterson. And he was an incredibly inspirational guy. I remember walking into his class every single day and he treated me and all of our, all of my fellow students like adults. He was like, almost like a college professor. He would wear a suit and tie and we would walk into the classroom. And instead of having a, a slide deck, he would just have a couple of key concepts on the whiteboard and he would just sit down on a desk facing us. And he would just have a conversation with us about just having a conversation. Mm-hmm. I remember one time he had a, a lesson on the Holocaust and I walked into the class that day and the name of his lecture wasn't the Holocaust; it was called "Bystanders," and he 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 used this conversation on the Holocaust, uh, and that's where he began and that's where he ended. But in the middle of the conversation, he would talk about things such as, um, you know, the murder of, of Kitty Genovese, for example, as we so often hear about in psychology right. textbooks, where the bystander effect originated from. Right. It was talking about how we as high school juniors had a responsibility going into the future of not being those bystanders and now not allowing our history to repeat itself, but helping our society learn from our own past. And uh, I remember on the very last day of junior year, uh, we were taking a final. It was very difficult. He was was a great teacher and he, he asked everybody five minutes before the bell rang to, you know, hand in their tests. And we did, and he he pulled up a rickety TV. I don't know if you know those classrooms, you have rickety TVs That's with right. the VHS tapes. And uh, and he popped in a, video, a VHS tape. I don't know if anybody listening knows that that is. Uh, younger than me, anyway. But he played the last few minutes of The Wizard of Oz. And it was that moment where all of our main characters are confronted by the great and powerful wizard. Right. And they don't know what to do, and they're terrified. And it is at that moment that the... the most unlikeliest of all characters, I'm sure you'll recall, hopefully right. I'm not spoiling it for anyone, <laughs> uh, you know, walks over on all fours yeah. and pulls back the curtain to reveal the source of the booming voice to be that of just a man. Right. And Mr. Peterson stopped playing the tape. He said, you're going to go out. You're going to be high school seniors. You're going to graduate. You're going to be college students. You're going to lead productive lives. I don't care in this history class. If you remember when the war of 1812 happened, I don't remember. I don't care about any of that stuff. I do care. And I want you to promise me that in whatever you do in life, never be afraid to be the one to pull back the curtain, be like Toto. I never forgot that. And every single day with Hoya
0: scholars,
1: I do the best I can here at Hoya scholars, just to impart that vision. I think it's so powerful because no matter who you are, or where you come from, you can change the world. I'm so sorry. That was so long winded.
0: No, I love it. Um, I hope you've gone back and told Mr. Peterson it's what been, an impact. It's he been had. 11
1: years. I, I I I it's on my I have to reach out to him you this need week to do
0: that. <laughs> on teacher appreciation day Yes you need to go tell that story or send him this podcast he'll love
1: it <laughs> I would so love to I
0: love that um my most impactful life-changing teacher was also my high school history teacher Yes
1: uh,
0: and uh yeah Mr. Hines uh changed everybody's life and and the same kind of thing that mm-hmm. the The dates and names don't matter. It is the lessons that you learn that you will take with you into your life. Um, So incredible. Um, And I think uh, Mr. Peterson would love to hear from you.
1: He will. I promise you he
0: will. Okay. So (laughs) what's one book you like to recommend to people?
1: I would love to recommend. I, I, well, I will, I actually, um, recently read Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Oh,
0: amazing.
1: Um, absolutely incredible book. And I, over the last few months, we've had just wonderful conversations internally about our place in the conversation when it comes to uh, advocating on behalf of everyone in our community. Right. You know, as a small organization like Hoya Scholars, what does it mean to, to walk alongside the Black community? Uh, what does it mean to be, because we we very much know, and just in case you haven't read it, Between the World and Me, um, is, uh, is is a book by Ta-Nehisi Coates, who's a Black author. Uh, and in short, there's really no way to comprehensively describe this book. Right. But he discusses the, the persecution of Black bodies, essentially, uh-huh. and, and Black America. What does it mean to be a, a Black person living in this country here and now? And one of the huge takeaways from that book is... The livelihood of our past. So, for example, he would talk about, um, you know, 400 years ago, ancestors who were then slaves. um, These were not slaves, quote unquote. These were human beings with beating heartbeats. These were these were mothers and sisters. These were people with favorite books of their own, and you know, favorite uh, you know things to do, and passions and fears and all of that. And um, and he really makes this incredible case for how, and he, he begs the reader, do not let go of these things, do not lose sight of these things. And uh, I absolutely love it. We at Hoya Scholars know full well what persecution looks like, particularly in our Latinx communities. And, uh, and we firmly believe that um, going back to that conversation of cultural consideration, that um, you know, we we really urge our community members to join us in that conversation of educating oneself on cultural consideration, and um, and just listening to one another through that.
0: I love it. It's such a good book and so powerful. Um, is there a hopeful message you want to share with our listeners beyond all the hopeful message you've already kind of touched on? But
1: you know, I. Um, Uh, I am so illuminated by, you know, many of what our students have impacted on me. I I think back to those those quotes, you know, from when the pandemic first started that. um, And I would just encourage everyone to just remember the words of our own students, of these 17 and 18 year old students, where when the world seemed to fall apart for every single person, They were the ones saying, you know, the sun will rise and we will try again. Um, And I I really just hope that everyone here takes solace in knowing that we do not take the responsibility as a community organization lightly of how we are imparting on the next generation. Mm -hmm. We are incredibly thankful and, and we feel blessed for the opportunity to be able to be in the position to do so. Jody, this is the greatest job in the world you know, full stop, bar none. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Um, and so I want everybody to take solace in knowing that there are some incredible leaders emerging in our communities and please do everything you can. Here's my hopeful message. Please do everything you can, whether it's within Hoya scholars or not to, to work w- to serve with one person in your life. Actually, here's my imparting message. <laughs> There's a quote by Lilla Watson. She is an Australian activist and um, I, I'm going to try to get this right, but it, it's a quote that talks about service here. Um, and you know, and I, I'm, I'm wondering if this could be cut out later, um, but I actually have it. I wanted to pull it up, um, but if not, that's okay. Is that okay, Jody? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> you can let Aaron, know to cut out this. It's just too
0: important. for me. Yeah, Aaron can condense this and cut this part out. Usually he has to cut out my dog barking maniacally.
1: <laughs> That's fun. Um, so Jody, here are my, here are my parting words to you all. Okay. It's a quote on service. It's by Lilla Watson, who's an Australian artist, activist, and academic. And it says, if you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come here because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let's work together. So with that idea, it's very bold. It's very succinct, but everyone here, please consider service as a series of acts of mutual kinship where we are all on the same level. And please do not consider service as a charitable checklist item where we are giving a handout or better than another community. I would really want to inspire and empower everyone here to aspire to, to serve, uh, in that in that vein of mutual kinship. And that really is how we're going to show our students that doesn't matter who you are, or where you come from, you have just as much to offer to your own community and to someone else as someone has to offer to you.
0: I love that. That's amazing. So my last question, who should we talk to next? besides so people,
1: Maggie. You're going to be busy. <laughs> I I would so recommend. Uh, this seems so, so. I have two. This seems so self serving, but our board yep. chair, her name is Linda Vasquez.
0: All she right. Works for
1: she. She formerly worked for the Campaign for College Opportunity. She now works for California Community Colleges. Um, she is an incredibly fierce advocate for higher education policy and works through the community college um, organization now to advocate for policy that will affect our own students across the state. I love it. we got to
0: set it up. i got to talk to her. Who else? You said two.
1: I'll also uh, nominate Kevin Mo Wong. He is the executive director of our sister nonprofit, Solidarity. Hoya Scholars was born out of Solidarity 12 years ago, and Solidarity has been around for a little over 15 years. Um, Kevin and I serve the the same neighbors here in the Garnet and Maple neighborhoods, and the way Solidarity approaches it is – uh, on our side of the coin, we we're very education focused. On their side of the coin, it's very, very holistic. Mm-hmm. There's also a faith-based component there. But Kevin um, himself, especially as of late, through our work through the Foliage and Collaborative, is, is such a fierce advocate of uh, his community, our communities, and is a prominent voice of the AAPI community as well. Um, and I would certainly recommend reaching out to him.
0: Well, I'm going to have to get the contacts for both of them. Sounds great, and I also want to talk to Maggie. Yes. Oh my gosh. We yes. might have to do a whole alumni uh, series. Yeah. I
1: would love that. That would be amazing. It yeah. Be well,
0: amazing. thank you so much for spending so much time with me. I really appreciate it. I love talking to you. Um, we're going to have to do a follow-up and maybe we'll do an alumni panel and have uh, Maggie and some others come on. And uh, I hope you share this with not only uh, your teacher, but also your sister. Cause that was a very nice shout out in there. So. So I will hear.
1: It. Our community will hear this. That's for sure. Yeah. this was a pleasure. thanks so much for having so me. Thank
0: you for joining me. and thanks for listening to. much some more.